Come on, why don't you give that hand clap to Jesus all over this house. Come on, lift up your hands and begin to magnify Jesus. Come on, can you lift your voice and give God the praise all over this house? Jesus is here. Hallelujah. I understand there's people in all different types of seasons of life. Amen. And for some of us, life is good. And for some of us, life is bad. But be encouraged. Amen. The shaking, amen, is not meant to break you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, the shaking is not meant to break you. Amen. But if you read the story of Paul and Silas, amen, before the chains were broken, the Bible says there was a great shaking and there was a great earthquake. Can I preach to somebody for just a, just a quick moment? The shaking wasn't meant to break you. The shaking was meant to break your chains. Sometimes God puts you in an adverse situation, amen, not to destroy you, but to break off the chains. I believe that God is going to break some chains in this house today. I believe God is going to set somebody free today by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're here today under the sound of my voice, you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you before you leave here today, God is going to fill you with his spirit. Come on, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name before you leave here today, you can get all your sins remitted when you're baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody want Jesus today? Anybody want Jesus today? Clap your hands and give God the glory. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 17. While you turn there, I give honor to your pastor and his wife. Amen. They're traveling and ministering. Amen. And when you have a pastor such as the one you have, you recognize that they have giftings that need to bless the body of Christ at large and at times he needs to go and minister to others. But I assure you, his heart and his thoughts are here in this service. And there hasn't been a time that I've preached here and he was not here that he hasn't told me that he was watching. Amen. And so your pastor's not here physically, but he's here in spirit. Praise God. And we're going to continue the revival that's already taking place. I've noticed uh, on social media, all that God has been doing. Amen. And I believe that God is able to continue doing it. Amen. God is able to continue pouring out of his, out his spirit. Amen. My wife and my children weren't able to be here with me today, but they send their greetings. Amen. And they're watching and praying as well. Amen. And um, besides just that, I just want to say I'm thankful for this church. Amen. There's such a, amen. There's such a freedom and a liberty behind this pulpit, and a lot of that comes from saints, amen, who know how to respond to the word of God, and not just respond, but apply, and I believe that God has something special for us. This is a special group of people, amen, a special group of people. They'll give you the clothes off their back, and I say that literally, amen. I was driving to church today, and I had thought I left my tie in my car, and I realized I left it in California, and I called Brother Thomas. I said, I need a tie. Amen. He took his tie off his neck and gave it to me. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We love the people of ARC. Amen. I'm going to jump straight to the word of the Lord. I come here today with a clear assignment. Amen. I want to be a blessing to the body of Christ as a whole. Amen. And I'm going to lean on the experience of the saints that are in this church to glean from what I'm preaching today. But if I'm being honest today, my focus is on those who have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and who have yet to been baptized in Jesus name. Amen. I want to reach for you today. I believe that God has something special for you that you can leave here different. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. When you have it, say amen. don't have it, say amen. Oh, praise God. Amen. The Bible says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, notice there was ten, but only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and went with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face, 
at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? All ten were cleansed. The revelations in the next portion of Scripture. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Everybody say whole. Ten lepers were cleansed, but only one was made whole. With the help of the Holy Ghost, for the next few moments, I want to preach from this thought. I'm not satisfied with the touch. I'm not satisfied with the touch. Can you set your Bibles down? Lift your hands to heaven and help me pray. We need the anointing of God. Come on, can you lift your voice and help me pray, ARC? God, we need you in this house today. For all of us here today are nothing but flesh. No flesh can glory in your presence. We understand, God, that if you don't move and show up in this house, then we've all gathered here in vain. There's nothing that we have to offer one another except you. And I pray that your spirit would flow through this house and would begin to work and move on people's hearts. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor somebody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands one more time before you're seated. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not satisfied with a touch. Clive Staples Lewis, infamously known as C.S. Lewis, was an author, a scholar, and a novelist who was born in 1898 in the city of Belfast, Ireland. Over the course of his life, he would become the author of about 40 books, including fictional works such as the Chronicles of Narnia, which would go on to sell millions of copies. And before his death in 1963, he would widely become known as one of the most influential and intellectual writers of his day. Although he was a master in producing spectacular fictional works, he was also known to produce great works in nonfiction and apologetics, and he was a deeply religious man. He would produce instant classics such as the Screw Tape Letters and a book entitled Mere Christianity. This book, Mere Christianity, was a book where he would bring together what he saw as fundamental truths of religion while simultaneously rejecting the boundaries that divided certain Christian denominations in his day. And upon me reading this work, Mere Christianity, I stumbled across a quote that lodged in my spirit and is the heart of what I want to share with you today. And I'm going to read it here in your hearing. Amen. It says, when I was a child, this is C.S. Lewis talking, I often had toothaches, and I knew that if I went to my mother, she would give me something which would deaden the pain for that night and let me go to sleep, but I did not go to my mother, at least not until the pain had become very bad. And the reason I did not go was this. I did not doubt that she would give me aspirin, but I knew she would take me to the dentist the next morning. I could not get what I wanted out of her without getting something more which I did not want. I wanted immediate relief from the pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. And I knew those dentists. I knew they started fiddling about with all sorts of other teeth which had not yet begun to ache. They would not let sleeping dogs lie. On the surface, this may seem like a fairly straight, simple and straightforward quote, but when you begin to apply it in the spiritual, you find how applicable it is to our situation. I wonder this morning, if we're being honest, how many of us could say that we have things that bring us pain in life. We have things that weigh us down, that drain us of our happiness, and that drain us of our strength and our very sanity. Things that we allow ourselves to wrestle with and struggle with constantly. 
things that we endure day in and day out. I'm talking about burdens. I'm talking about the weight and the pressure of life. And we hold on to it all, not because we lack faith in God's ability to take care of all of our needs, and not because we don't want relief from that which weighs us down, but simply because we in the spirit understand that we can't always get what we want from God without getting something more. Amen. How many of you here today under the sound of my voice understand that we serve a God that's not interested in simply taking care of your problems every time you cry, Lord, Lord. We serve a God that's not interested in having a relationship with you that's predicated on you showing up to church only when your life is in chaos and only when your life is a mess. How many of you under the sound of my voice understand, amen, that the God we serve is not interested in simply throwing money your way, amen, when you are in financial turmoil, amen. But I'm trying to preach to you today that God has a great interest in not taking care of just the problems, but getting to the very bottom and the core of what it is that causes you to go through these cycles in life. I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to help somebody today because what you have to understand, the reason that God doesn't simply give you money every time you cry, Lord, Lord, is because God wants you to show up to church long enough to get to the bottom of why you continually find yourself in financial turmoil. God does not just want to give you joy every time you feel sad, but we serve a God that wants to get to the root of what's causing you sadness. And I come to preach to somebody, amen, we have to understand to truly get what we want. There's a lot of other areas we're going to have to allow God to begin to dig around in and pull out and inspect. Amen. And it's not comfortable and it's not convenient. And sometimes it's downright painful because we as humans, we don't want to deal with the skeletons in our closet. We don't want to deal with the hurt in our past. What we want to do is we want to throw it behind the door and act like it never happened. But what the Holy Ghost wants to do in this house, amen, is have you open the door so God can heal you. Because you don't understand how past trauma is affecting how you're walking right now today. And you think you have freedom and you think you have liberty, but you don't know what liberty is until you allow the Holy Ghost to get in all the closed off places and say, I'm not just going to touch you, but I'm going to change you. I've come to preach you got to get in your spirit. I'm not satisfied with the touch, but I need you to change me. I need you to change the way I think. I need, I need you to change the way I walk. I need you to change the way I behave because I don't just want aspirin for my pain. I want to be delivered. I want to be healed. I want to be set free. Somebody clap your hands and give God the glory. And so what we find ourselves doing, uh, amen, is we come into church, uh, amen, and we're dressed nice and we look nice. Praise God. I look decent right now because of Brother Thomas's tie. But if I didn't have it, amen, there's a beauty and there's also trouble with our holiness. The beauty is that we're walking in holiness and we're dressing and living the way that God wants us to dress and live. But the problem with holiness is sometimes we use our holiness as a uniform that we put on and you walk into church and just make everybody think that life is perfect. But I've come to preach to you today. You got to get to the place where you understand I don't. I'm not content with making people think I'm okay, but I came to church today because I want to be healed. And if that means even in my nice suit and in my nice dress, come on, I got to come to the front and I got to cry until tears fall down my face and I got to dance and shout until ties come off. And Jack, I'm willing to do whatever it takes because I didn't come here to feel goosebumps. I came here to be changed. I came here to be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, clap your hands and give God the glory. Amen. And what you don't see is how you look in the spiritual. 
You look good in the natural, but in the spiritual, amen, there's a lot of us that are carrying baggage uh, and we're carrying weight uh, and it's hard for you to lift your hands uh, because you're thinking about the stress you have to return to. Uh, it's hard, amen, to feel heaven in church uh, when you have to go home to hell. Can I preach to somebody today? I'm trying to preach to you. It's time to lay aside every weight. Come on. Come on, I'm preaching this. You don't have to try and manage the pain. You got to get to the place, amen, where you understand that when life becomes too much to carry, I'm going to get to the house of God. I'm going to fall on my face, and I'm going to pray until I'm changed. Until How long should I pray? Until the change comes. Until God delivers you. Until you don't feel the same way you felt when you walked into these doors. Until you reach the place where I don't feel that same emotional turmoil. Oil. I felt when I walked in and it wasn't anything about the preacher it wasn't anything about the building but it had everything to do with the God who is still able to deliver it comes from the God who is still concerned with your needs and is still concerned with what you're going through he said come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and I will give you rest you want rest you got to come to the house of God you want rest you got to cry out to God and God will give you rest amen and to our saints and saved people we get to a place where we want to feel the joy of the Lord and the presence of God. And we can allow that to make us content. Because it feels good coming to church. feels good coming to church. It feels good when you can tell others, I went to church on Sunday. But what we do sometimes is we allow the music. We allow sometimes the emotional hype that comes with worship. Distract us from the issues that are really going on. And we allow it. To, to, we get to the place where the highlight of our service is our worship. The highlight of our service is when the music's playing, but our altar calls are getting shorter and shorter. What I'm trying to preach to you today, you got to get something in your spirit that says, I'm not satisfied with the touch. I'm not satisfied with thinking the same way. And you got to get to the place in your spirit where you say, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad that there's friends and people here that I can meet and I could talk to. But I didn't come here for anybody else. I came here for Jesus. I didn't come here to play games. I'm not waiting till... What would happen if somebody made up in their mind uh, in pre-service prayer, I'm going to get what I need from God. Uh, come on, you don't have to wait until I'm done preaching. You can get what you need from God right now, but you got to make up in your mind, I'm not waiting until the music is right. Uh, I'm not waiting until my life is just right. Hear me, if you wait until your life is perfect, you'll be waiting until you die. you got to make up in your mind that he said, today is the day of salvation. I'm not here to get touched. I'm here to get changed, and I refuse to walk out of here the same way I came. But I'm going to preach prophetically to you right now. I'm going to leave renewed in my mind. I'm going to leave changed in my heart. I'm going to leave changed in my spirit. I'm going to leave changed in my soul. Because I'm not here to accept blessings, but reject change. I'm not here simply for God to give me things. I'm here for God to change me. I'm here to get a change from God. And we have to get to a place where we're not satisfied with goosebumps, five-minute altar call. But it's my prayer that this spirit begins to rise up in you over the course of this sermon that says, I'm not leaving. I'm not backing down. I'm not giving up. I'm not walking out of this building today until I'm changed. And hear me, it has nothing to do with me here. You have a more than capable pastor that's here. But the only difference between you and your change is how bad do you want it and are you willing to get it today? Are you willing to get it? I'm telling you today, if you need the Holy Ghost, there's no reason that God can't fill you with the Holy Ghost today. If you want your sins remissed, there's no reason you shouldn't get baptized in Jesus' name. Why do you want that sin, amen, walking and following you out of it? You could leave here cleansed and changed and forgiven and freed and loved. Come on, you could leave here with the call of God on your life. You could leave here with the plans of God on your mind. I've come to preach to somebody. You got to get to a place where you say, I'm not satisfied with the touch I want to be changed clap your hands and give God the glory amen I want to walk through this text 
what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to preach to those who didn't come to church today just to feel goosebumps. But I'm going to preach to those today who want to leave changed. The route we're going to take this morning is going to be a little bit different. First, what I want to do, I want to highlight three characteristics of a person that wants to be changed. Three characteristics of a person that wants to leave changed. And at the end of this sermon, I'm going to tell you how to leave here today changed. Amen. The first characteristic of a person that wants to be changed is determination. Everybody say determination. To fully understand this, we read today Luke chapter 17, but you have to understand the connection between Luke chapter 17 and Matthew chapter 8. In Luke chapter 17, these 10 lepers approach Jesus and cry out for mercy. And this was not something that was common. In the Bible, when somebody contracted leprosy, it was not only a death sentence in the physical, but it was also a death sentence in all social aspects of life as well. Leprosy was a devastating disease. The physical limbs would begin to rot and fall off until one died of slow decay. But also in the social, lepers were required to stay outside of the camp, outside of the city, and outside of civilization. You would lose all contact with your family and your friends, and this harsh treatment would be in order to ensure that those who were whole would not become infected with the leprosy that you have. You can see this in Leviticus chapter 13, Numbers 5, 2 Kings chapter 15. They were also required to profess that they were unclean and would live their life as an outcast until their death. And so here in the setting of our text, this may seem common. We know that people cried out for Jesus, the blind, the lame, amen, the deaf. They cried out to Jesus, and Jesus would heal them. They would approach Jesus, but lepers were not allowed to approach those that were clean. And so the question is, why were these lepers so bold and so determined to cry out and approach Jesus? Why were they crying out to Jesus with so much certainty that God was going to answer their prayers? Because if you go back to Matthew chapter number 8, you'll see that it is here, hear me, where God first cleansed a leper. This leper in Matthew chapter 8 was all alone. He didn't have a circle of friends. He was by himself when he went to Jesus, and the Bible tells us that Jesus healed this leper. So I want you to think with me. There's no doubt that word began to spread throughout the leper community that if you cry out and go to Jesus, he can heal you. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying these ten were bold and determined in approaching Jesus and getting their change. Watch this. Because there was a leper without a support group that had determination that he was going to get to Jesus and get the change that he needed. Uh, Hear me this afternoon. I don't care if certain things have existed in your family for generations. Uh, All your family needs uh, is the first person to step out and cry to Jesus. All it takes is one person, amen, and there will be others that follow. You say, well, my family wasn't born in church. My family has drug problems. My family is addicted to alcohol. My family is abusive. My family, amen, is is hurtful. I've come to tell you it takes one person that says from this point on, come on, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a change. Come on, 10 lepers got their miracle because there was one leper who was determined to get into the presence of Jesus. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. Your dad's not a pastor. Your mom is nowhere to be found. Your dad left you a long time ago. That's okay. You could raise up children who say, I'm going to live for God. When you get determined, I'm going to get a change. I'm going to get a change. I'm going to get a change in my life. Amen. These 10 lepers had the precedent that you can go up to Jesus and cry out to him and he will heal you. Not because of their own faith, but the faith of one man. I'm preaching to somebody today. What I feel in this house, those who haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you're going to get baptized and God is going to wash off some generational family things off of you today. Come on, you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost and God's about to set a new legacy. I'm telling you, Come on, there's some last names that if you mention it in town, people laugh and they mock. But I'm telling you, after today, your family's going to be known for righteousness. Your family's going to be known 
as people that are filled uh, with the power of God. But it takes one person who gets determined, who says, I'm not going to be touched. Uh, I'm going to be changed. I'm, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to my, my dad wasn't a pastor. Come on. My family didn't grow up in church. Uh, amen. It started when I was a little boy. We started coming to church. Uh, we didn't have an example, but I'm telling you, there's something special that happens uh, when someone makes up in their mind. Uh, come on. Come on. It's going to change uh, and it's going to start with me. I got this revelation when I was in service a few weeks ago. Hey, man, I was preaching, and my wife showed me a video after I was done preaching at my home church. Hey, man, my baby, who's only a, a year and a half old, hey, man, she was saying amen as her daddy was preaching. I'm telling you, come on, you may not have had the greatest example, but you got to get to the place where these children are going to see me pray. These children are going to see me worship. Because guess what? There's some babies that are growing up that when life gets hard, they're not going to turn to drugs. They're not going to turn to alcohol. But they saw mom and dad praying. They saw mom and dad showing up to church. Come on, you want your children to be saved? What do you do when life gets hard? What do you do when life strikes? Do you complain? Do you stay at home? Or do you say, we're going to the house of God? I'm telling you, there's some children that are watching you, and you got to make up in your mind. Change. The first characteristic starts with determination that from this moment on, this family is going to be known as a family that lives for Jesus. Clap your hands and give God the glory. Amen. The second characteristic of a person that wants to be changed is obedience. Everybody say obedience. Amen. That's a word. A lot of us don't like, praise God, <laughs> obedience, praise God. Luke 17, 13, and 14 that we read, Bible says they cried out to Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Notice in Matthew 8, we talked about that leper. He cried out, cried out to Jesus. Jesus healed him instantaneously. But for these 10 lepers, Jesus didn't lay his hands on them. He told them to go and show yourselves to the priests. In the Old Testament, it was a law for those who believed they were healed of leprosy. There was a certain procedure they had to go through. Jesus told them without any proof that they were going to receive their miracle, he told them to go and show themselves to the priests. I'm sure that that could have felt like a rejection. Why are you doing it this way in my life, God? You healed them instantaneously. But hear me, there are two types of, mir there are two types of miracles there are instantaneous miracles, and there are miracles that are procedures. Either way, amen, two different things, the same thing. And some of us, we have to stop getting frustrated when God, amen, when you pray for a miracle and God requires you to go through a process. Amen. You're still going to get your miracle, amen, but it's a process. So watch with me. These... I'm telling you, leprosy would disfigure people. Amen. I'm sure that there were people in the presence of Jesus. They were missing fingers. They were missing ears. They were missing eyes. And they said, Jesus, heal me. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Watch this. They had to walk in their affliction. They had to walk in their dilemma. They had to walk with no guarantee they were going to get what they were going to get what they wanted from God. But they had to take a step of faith and say, I'm going to walk until I see a change. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. I don't know if it was step one or if it was step 100. But in some point of the process, as they were walking, come on, some people started getting cleansed. Some people started getting their miracle. I'm preaching to you today. Sometimes one of the characteristics of a change is saying I'm going to be obedient to the word of God even when it doesn't make sense to me. Amen. There are too many of us, amen, that want to have the understanding in order for us to act. We want, God, why do I have to do this before we respond in obedience? But you know what Proverbs 16.3 says? It says, commit thy ways unto the Lord and then your thoughts will be established. Commit your ways unto the Lord, and then your thoughts will be established. What is he saying? He's saying sometimes you got to make up in your mind, uh, I'm going to commit my way unto God, and then the understanding will come. What does it mean? Hey, leper, sometimes you got to just walk, uh, and then God is going to cleanse you, but you got to be obedient to the word of God. Uh, you got to be obedient to what God has commanded, uh, and you know what it comes down? How bad do you want your miracle? How bad do you want your change? Uh, how bad do you want to be delivered? Uh, are you willing to do something that makes you inconvenient? 
inconvenient? Are you willing to do something that seems strange and foolish? But hear me, sometimes your miracle is on the other side of inconvenience. Uh, how bad do you want it? Uh, come on, I, don't, I just know I want my family saved bad enough uh, to do whatever it takes. Uh, I want my family saved bad enough uh, to do whatever, even if it makes me look foolish. Because one of the characteristics of a change is obedience. Sometimes, God, I have to respond in faith before you respond with miracles. Sometimes I have to respond in obedience before the supernatural is poured out. Hear me today, one of the characteristics of a change is being obedient to the word of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. The last characteristic, amen, we need is discernment. Say discernment. The 10 lepers headed to show themselves to the priests. They were still ensnared in the affliction of their disease and infirmities. But responding in faith to the word of God, the Bible tells us that as they went, they were cleansed. And I'm sure that there was great rejoicing in that group of lepers. They were cleansed. Amen. And for nine out of the ten lepers, we never hear from them again. This is not a bad thing. They had responded in faith and obedience, and they were healed. However, the Bible tells us that one of the lepers, when he saw that he was changed, when he saw that he was cleansed, turned back, and he left the group that he had dwelt with, he separated himself and came back to the one who had healed him. And the Bible tells us that he glorified God in a loud voice. This leper doesn't ride off into the sunset with his blessings and with his cleansing, but he comes back to the source and he falls on his face and glorifies God. Jesus looks at the man and he says, were there not ten cleansed, where are the other nine? This would tell you that the other nine should have went back to Jesus as well. Jesus looks at the man worshiping at his feet and he says, arise, thy faith hath made thee whole. Everybody say whole. What was this faith? It was the ability to discern that what he needed more was not just a physical healing, uh, amen, but he needed a spiritual healing. Leprosy was a type of sin. All ten were cleansed, but only one was made whole. And that word whole is indicating not just a healing in the physical, but a healing in the spiritual. All ten walked away cleansed from their diseased, but only one walked away cleansed in his soul. Uh, hear me today. We have to have the ability to discern that the problems in our life, uh, depression, anxiety, are only symptoms of a larger problem, which isn't going to be fixed with money and material things. Uh, but with a healing and a deliverance in our soul. And it's my prayer that the spirit of this leper grabs a hold of this church uh, that says, I'm thankful for all you've done. I'm thankful for all the blessings that you've given me. But Jesus, I'm not satisfied with the touch. And what I need more than financial blessings in my life uh, is a healing in my mind uh, and a healing in my heart uh, and a healing in my soul. I've come to preach to somebody today. You got to get to the place where I'm not satisfied living content in the blessings of God. But there's something inside of me that makes me turn back. There's a longing in my heart that causes me to break away from friends and family and says, I don't know about you, but I got to get back to Jesus because I'm not satisfied with a touch. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a touch. I'm thankful for being cleansed. I'm thankful for being set free, but God, I want to be whole. I want to be whole. I'm not satisfied with the touch, but I want to be changed. I'm preaching to somebody today. You got to get to the place. I feel. Can we pray for a few moments? Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's pray for a few moments. Come on, God is talking to somebody right now. Come on, lift your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm preaching to somebody, you got to get to a place where you get tired of wrestling with the same things. You got to get to a place, children of Israel, where you're tired of walking around the same wilderness for 40 years. When God has given you a promised land, I'm preaching, you can't be content being where you've always been, doing what you've always done. With the same anointing, uh, the same revelation, I'm preaching. You got to get to the place uh, where you start to hear the voice of God, uh, and God starts to answer your prayers, uh, and God starts to use you. Uh. But you got to get to a place where you want to be changed. And the reason a lot of us stay the same is because we have no vision of what God has for our life and our family. And when you, what does the Bible say? Where there's no vision, the people perish. When you have nothing that you're shooting for, when you have nothing you're contending against, you know where the fighting turns? It turns inward. It tur we begin to fight against our brothers and sisters in Christ because we lose track that the enemy is the enemy. Amen. And that our goal is to pursue after the things of God. We see this even in the natural. Amen. History tells us that Alexander the Great wept when there was no more cities to be conquered. When there was nothing else in front of them to go after Alexander wept uh, because he had the foresight to see that hundreds of years later the infighting would begin and it would tear itself apart uh, I'm preaching you got to get to a place uh, in prayer where God begins to give you a glimpse uh, and a vision of your purpose uh, and your family's purpose uh, and you say uh, come on I'm preaching to some fathers uh, we got to rise up to where we have a vision where we're taking our wife and kids Come on, I'm preaching to some mothers. You got to get to a place where you have a vision for your children. You got to get to a place where there's something in front of you that says, come on, we're shooting for something. We're heading towards something. And we have the discernment to understand that all the cars, the clothes, and the money is not going to give us what we need. And we have the discernment to understand I need spiritual healing. I need spiritual healing. Because... Because spiritual healing does not come of this world, and so this world cannot take it from you. I'm talking about a joy up that's not of this world, uh, that's not based off of where you are at in life. You say, how does that sister still show up to church and worship and dance? Come on. You can't come to, you can't come to church at ARC without seeing Sister Pam dancing and worshiping up here in the front. It doesn't mean her life is perfect, but when you have a joy that's not of this world, uh, I can go through hell and still be content. Come on. It's easy to stay planted when you have a word from God and it says it doesn't matter what's happening. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Come on, I'm preaching to you. You can get a joy. Uh, you can get a peace that's not of this world. But you got to get discernment. That says, come on, I need something spiritual. I need something real. I need something to change. I need something different. I'm preaching to you. You can't be satisfied with a touch. But God, I need you to change me. And so the three characteristics of a person that wants to be changed is they're going to be determined. They're going to be obedient. And they're going to have discernment. Now I want to preach to our visitors what you need to do to be changed. Bible tells us as Jesus left that he says, I will not leave you comfortless, but that Jesus is going to send the comforter to us. God never requires a change of us and then removes the ability for us to be changed. But in order, and, and this, this ties into what I'm preaching, you have to get to a place where you're not content with filling his spirit just on the outside. But I want to fill his spirit on the inside. You got to get to a place where you're not just getting wrapped up in the hype of the worship and the dance and feeling good because you went to church, uh, but saying, I want the spirit of God to not live on the outside of me, but I want it to live on the inside of my heart. Uh, I'm telling you what God wants, woo, what God wants to do today is fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you, you think you feel good? Now, wait until God uh, begins to fill you with his spirit. Uh, you think you feel content? Now, wait till God pours out his spirit on your heart uh, and your mind. Uh, come on, you want to be changed? Uh, you can't change by yourself. It takes God. And I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm almost done. The children of Israel, the whole Old Testament, was to show them that they could not obtain righteousness within their own power. 
That's why they had to sacrifice yearly. If the sacrifice was good enough, they would have only had to sacrifice once. But you know what each year dragging that animal sacrifice down to the tabernacle showed them? I messed up again. I wasn't good enough again. I couldn't follow the rules again. I, I, I tried my best to abide by all 613 commandments, uh, but I keep messing up, and now I have to sacrifice again. Uh, but whoo, Jesus came in the New Testament uh, to say, come on, the, the blood of goats and sheep uh, is not sufficient, uh, but I'm going to tell you how to walk in righteousness. Uh, come on, you don't need an external set of commandments. You need the law to be written in your heart. You know how the law is written on your heart? Uh, when you get the lawgiver on the inside of your heart. Uh, and Jesus is helping you to walk in all righteousness. And now you're not walking in your own power, but you're walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, you want to be changed? You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And if you're hearing the sound of my voice, and it's been a long time since you've spoken in tongues, that's okay. You can come down to the front today and be refilled with the Spirit and be changed all over again. Yeah. Woo! You see this, let's all stand. You see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter breaks it down to them. He said, yeah, you, you know that guy you just killed? That was, that was God manifested in the flesh. And the Bible said that when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And we see determination. When they say, Men, they say what shall we do? They were already determined. Now they say, what shall we do? And Peter responds and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But not only that, he said, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Bible says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, uh, and that same day was added unto them about 3,000 souls. Uh, there was determination. There was discernment uh, that what they had done was wrong, and they needed a spiritual change. Uh, and they responded in obedience and were baptized and received the Holy Ghost. Uh, and that day, 3,000 people got the change that they needed. I'm preaching today to somebody. It's time for you to come down to this altar, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to repent of your sins. Now, some of us here today, we go to church. There's some of us here today that we've, we've gone to other churches in the area. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that there's a way, a truth, and a life, that there's one way, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so for some of us, you say, well, I already believed, and I've already was baptized. Well, in Acts chapter 19, the Bible tells us this story. A man of, I'm going to read it, and you're hearing it. And it came to pass that while, at Apollo, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast of Ephesus and finding certain disciples. I want you to notice he calls these men disciples. He said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Him calling him, them disciples was indicating to us that these were people who were trying to follow Jesus to the best of their current knowledge at the time. But belief was never proof of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because Paul looks at them and says, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? You know what Paul does next? He asked them, how were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. What am I saying? If you're here today under the sound of my voice and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name and you've been baptized in other ways, now is a good time to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Hear me. You'll never find in the Bible one example of the disciples of Jesus Christ baptizing anybody in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Every time they were baptized, it was in the name of Jesus. Because the revelation 
there is that Matthew 28, 19 is revealing unto us. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Because Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby, watch, ye must be saved. Raise your hand if you're a father. <laughs> Praise God. Raise your hand if you're a mother. Raise your hand if you're a brother or a sister. Raise your hand. Praise God. Do I have any construction workers in the house? Praise God. Stay strong. Amen. Do I have any, any medical professionals in the house? We all have titles. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a brother. But my name is Brandon. He's the father. He's the son. He's the Holy Ghost. But his name is Jesus. And if you've been baptized in the titles, Father, Son, hear me. Amen. I have a text on my phone. Pastor has given us permission to baptize you today in the name of Jesus. You know what Acts 2 said? That when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, it's for the remission of all of your sins. You know what that means? Whatever you've done in your life up until this point that has been in violation with the word of God, if you make up in your mind to be baptized in Jesus' name, he's going to wash everything away. He's going to wash everything away. And when I think of that, why wouldn't I want to be baptized in Jesus' name? The only prereq prerequisites to being baptized is faith and belief. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's why we don't baptize babies. Babies can't believe in the power of salvation and baptism to save them. But if you believe that God is willing to wash your sins away and you make up in your mind to be baptized in Jesus' name, God will forgive you for all of your sins. And to those of us who have never received the Holy Ghost and you're wondering what I'm talking about, hear me, it's very simple. There's only two things that will stop you from getting the Holy Ghost. One is a lack of repentance. The other is a lack of faith. And if you make up in your mind to repent of your sins, not just sins you know you committed, but you know what David said? He said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. We have to get to a place where we understand there's things that I do that I'm not even aware of that are in violation of what God is calling me to do. If you will come to this altar today and repent of your sins and lift your hand, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I'm telling you, God will fill you with the, hear me today. I, my dad brought us to church when I was four or five years old. I got the Holy Ghost. The problem was my dad stopped showing up to church. And for 27 years, we prayed for God to save my dad. This year, we baptized my dad in the name of Jesus. We're talking about, we're talking about a man who's a private man, a man who, who, who never had any intentions of stepping into church. About a month ago, they live in Ohio, I got a text, amen, that my dad received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on. I'm preaching to you today. There's nothing different about my dad and you. I was at a camp. I preached a camp last weekend. And five to ten people got the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching. If you need the Holy Ghost today, I want to open these altars to you today. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come down to this altar. We're going to pray with you, and God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. But remember, the first step is obedience and a response in faith. And so I want to start, I want to open these altars right now. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I want you to come down to the front. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Come on, God's about to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, are there any others who need the Holy Ghost? I want you to come down to the front. This is your opportunity to respond in faith. It's very simple. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come down to the front. What I want you to do, every hand lifted, every eye closed. And what I want you to do, I want you to begin to repent of your sins. I want you to repent of everything you could think of that you've done and all the things you, you don't even know that you did, that you know are in, that are in violation of the word of God. And after you repent, hear me today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands higher when you feel like you've repented of your sins. We're going to have the ministry come. We're going to pray for you. We're going to lay our hands on you, and God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. ARC, I need you to start praying right now. I need you to start praying. God is about to do something supernatural. 
God is about to do something special in this house for those who are willing to respond in faith. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. You don't have to leave the same way you came. As they began to sing, I want us to pray. I want to Come on, ARC, let's lift our voice. Let's pray. Let's pray. God is about to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost right now. brother just received the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. You want the Holy Ghost? God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking Savior. You got chains. He's a chain. You got pain. He's a pain. It's not too late. If you need something from God, if you need healing in your body, I want you to come down to the front. Come on, I'm going to pray with you. I'm gonna, this, is not, this is not mystical. This is the Spirit of God moving on His people. Come on, if you need something from Jesus, come on. Come on, if you need something from Jesus. 